question what is church and to wrestle with what that means. And one of the one of the things we've been trialling is exploring what the core components of church are. And so the things that we have identified to be the core components of church were worship. Um, so we, we messed around with different ways of doing worship as a, as a community. Um, another core component was community. And so we have been exploring ways that we can gather together as God's people and explore what it looks like to be intentionally spending time to get to know each other better and also in a way that is encouraging us uh, to take our faith more seriously. So worship, community, and then the final component that we're going to look at a little bit more today at the start of the service is mission. So this is another core component of the church that we've been exploring. Um, and the idea of what we mean by mission is basically having a, a space where God's people gather together and then intentionally orient themselves towards the broader community to be a representation of the church and of God to the broader community. So we have tried to integrate each of these components into these weeks as well as exploring some questions about what is church. So the first week we looked at the biblical perspective of church. Uh, the second week we looked at church throughout church history. So we looked at church across the context of from when Jesus ascended into heaven up until now. And then last week we looked at ch the church now. And we did that primarily through focusing on the cultural context that we're in now and how the church interacts with that. So today is going to be closely interlinked with that and is going to follow on looking at what the church could be and how we engage with our context in the way that we reimagine uh, what church is. Is that accurate, Deb? You're doing better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, too many big words with <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that, that's just to give you a bit of a vision of what, what our plan is today. I'm going to invite David up. He's going to lead us through a bit of a different worship uh, orientation exercise we're going to do this morning. John was supposed to be here as well, but he's actually come down with a gastro bug, so keep him in your prayers. He's been vomiting all morning. So, um, yeah, this morning um, we're going to do an orientation or a, a worship exercise together, and it's something, this is something that, um, that we did as a hub, actually, um, uh, on a, a, a week that... Jane and Annie Nat led, um, and uh, it comes out of this idea that um, if we think about worship as recognizing and declaring um, the goodness of God and who God is, um, that that worship involves and it, it, it does involve declaring, and we often do that through singing, you know, through this corporate act of praising and verbalizing, you know, what we think about God. But recognizing God's goodness, recognizing that that actually involves listening to God. It involves thinking about God. It involves, you know, um, I guess it, it, that's that other component that 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 is involved in worship. And so this morning, I put a whole lot of um, passages from Scripture, uh, quotes from um, some some great thinkers about. Um, kind of around around the concept of church and what scripture has to say and what people have said about church and then some some just pictures as well that might draw you 
to worship and to think about um, what God might be, how God might, I don't know, inspire or speak to you this morning. And um, I'm just going to give 10 minutes and you can all get up and walk around. Um, and what, what I invite you to do is to, to first walk around and, and read a few of them, look at the images, read a few of the quotes. Um, and then after you've kind of gotten a lay of the land, um, maybe pick one and take it off the wall. They're meant to be taken off. They're not going to stay there. Um, and pick one that, that you feel like God is speaking to you or has something that, that God has something to say to you through that passage or through that quote. Um, and then when you go in and sit down, um, just with the people around you, um, if you could share what, what is God saying to you this morning through, through that passage. How is, how is that encouraging you about around this, this journey that we've been on around what church is and what God's doing in the church and how God is moving in the church. Um, so I'll give 10 minutes now. You can get up, walk around. They're mainly on this brick wall and up the back fence. That's where they're all posted. Um, and hopefully there's enough for everyone to take one. <laughs> don't take the Sinclair Ushkir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't take the Sinclair Ushkir sign. Unless you're inspired by God. That's right. <laughs> If you're listening to this on podcast, the camera wanders off now for about three minutes. There will be uh, background noise and then about 18 seconds at the end of dead silence and then back to normal programming. Alrighty guys, we'll um, call it in. I hope you um, I hope you were able to find 
um, an image or passage from scripture or a quote um, that enabled you to think about what God's doing or that enabled you to hear um, maybe what God's saying. Um, would anyone, I mean, if there's this one person that uh, wants to share their passage or their verse and what God spoke to them about. Yep, Kyle. I chose the... Do you want to just come up here? Um, I chose the passage from Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Um, the reason I chose that one is it just encapsulated in that little verse is um, just it's both options that we have when it comes to dealing with the church. Um, when we encounter things that are difficult or hard or frustrating, it's easy to disengage. And I know, and I know heaps of people who do exactly that. Uh, they go somewhere else, they chuck it in, they abandon God. You know, that's their response when the church is difficult and flawed or broken. Um, but the godly approach is to persevere and to bear with one another, motivating each other towards goodness and God. Um, yeah, so that's why I like that one. In amongst today, we think about and talk about what the church could be. Those are sometimes our options. It's like we could bail out or we could commit and go deeper. Thanks, everyone, for being willing to engage. Um, Han, I'll call you back up. All right, we might just pray for some of those things. Lord, we just thank you that you are capable of holding the many different things that are going on both in our worlds and in the broader world, God. Uh, thank you for just the faithful work of the people here who are part of Wush, Lord. Thank you for Keith's role in that. And we do just particularly think of these three new staff members. We pray, Lord, that yeah, their participation in the Wush would be an opportunity for them to experience you um, through working here, Lord. And I pray that you would just help them to adjust and to figure out the right balance uh, in the way that they care for these kids as well. Lord, we lift up this initiative of Laura's to start a playtime here again in this uh, in the Ush and uh, for the community of St. Clair. We just pray for the right supports for her, Lord. Um, I just pray that you would bring that about in your timing. Yeah, if it is your will for it to go ahead, Lord, that you would just yeah, bless it and um, allow it to flourish and to continue to be a space for connection for the broader community of St. Clair. Lord, we lift up um, the Rose family to you in their, in their grieving right now. We just pray that you would be close to them, that they would know you and experience you in this time. And we just lift up Laura and the broader YWAM team. We pray that you would just be preparing their hearts, that you would be working through all the logistics that are outside of their control. Um, yeah, Lord, and I do just pray that you would go before them and be preparing the way. That, yeah, that you would both be preparing the hearts of the people who they will be engaging with, but that you'll also be preparing their hearts for it as well. Amen. All right, so um, our next little segment is going to be just a little bit of a spotlight on uh, some of the mission missions that are going on in St. Clair. So that, that term has a lot of baggage 
in it. Um, we're going to we're going to explore that fairly broadly today. Just to give you a bit of a context, um, for those of you who weren't here at the start, we're just saying in the hub some of the things we've been really exploring are related to trying to get trying to break church down to what the core components we think are of what makes church church and the things that we've come up with are worship so a space for a body of people to orient themselves towards god um worship community so a space to gather and spend time together both getting to know each other better and encouraging each other on in our faith walk and the third thing was mission so this idea that it is a body of people who are then looking outwards towards the broader community to be a representation of Jesus. So the way that we've been wrestling with that over the last, it's probably been three or four months in the hub that we've been messing around with this concept of mission. Mainly what we've been doing has been to be running, I think we did three or four pancake breakfasts where we just put on one, our first one was at Easter, so we did like an, we did an Easter talk and then invited our neighbours to either join us for that or to come for the pancake breakfast afterwards. And we've had engagement with two two main families, um, as well as one of our neighbours who's single, um, who've come to different different parts of that. So uh, ironically, our neighbour who's probably most vocally uninterested in Christianity has come to the most intense. Um, talks. So he came to a Passover meal that we did together where we read out the Passover story um, and he, he said it was the first time he'd ever held a Bible and he was asking us all sorts of questions about it and wanting to engage and wrestle and then he, he came actually to um, one of the pancake breakfasts. He can't eat pancakes or doesn't like them um, but he decided to come to the thing beforehand where we were discussing what is mission and Jess was sharing some of her journey with it. Um, so that, that's just been cool. We've also had yeah two two families that are made up of five and four. I mean, one of the families is a bit complex. Um, but we've had probably about nine or ten people who've come fairly regularly to those those pancake breakfasts, and we've had a chance to connect and, and talk with them. And these are neighbours we have regular engagement with um, as well, but have really responded to that. And it's just been a really... Uh, a great opportunity for us to kind of explore how we can, as a collective community, engage with the broader community. Um, so yeah, that's been, just to give you a bit of a picture of what our journey has been. But in the context of that, St. Clair has been around for a lot longer and has been wrestling with these ideas for a lot longer as well. And so just want to take a step back. We're going to look at some of the age-old ministries that have been running and expressions of mission that have been coming out of St. Clair pretty much since its beginning. Uh, and then we're going to look at some of the more recent ones. So, Mum, if you want to come up, and Laura, if you want to come up as well, we're just going to ask a few questions um, just to give a bit, of a, a bit of an insight into some of the stuff that's going on in St. Clair at the moment. So, we're going to start um, with, which I'm sure most people have guessed, we're going to start with uh, exploring the mission that Mum and Pearl and Sophia and Kim, is that right, um, have been a part of, which is a, doing scripture at Blackwell Public School in St. Clair. So the first question is, how long have you been doing scripture for now? 150 years. been doing it since Hannah was four years old because... Um, that, that, that's how I remember it. 
26 years. <laughs> um, and can you tell us just some of the stories? It's a long time to have to cover in regards to memory and experience, but um, can you tell us some of the stories that just really have stuck with you from that time of doing that ministry? Um, yeah, I guess I guess it, it it's it's interesting that every if there's going to be a bad day, it'll be on a Wednesday, and I know Sophia is very quick to say we've got to you know stand against this this is it's a bit of a, a, a battlefield sometimes but once we get there you know you just realize how so so important it is to push through that stuff and you ask the children you know like who's ever been to church and maybe one or two will put their hands up and you've got this room of 50 children and um or who's got a Bible in their home? Not many. And um, and I just sort of feel like, well, if, if we weren't there, it's just such an opportunity just to touch these, you know, just to, to inform these children about God. And just, and what, did you ask a question? Am I going? A story. A story. Okay. So, um, Probably one of the stories that really stands out is uh, one week we often have, or we always do, have coffee at, across the road here after after scripture. And one week we were sitting there having our coffee, and a 15-year-old boy came up to me and said, "Hello," he said, "You used to teach me scripture," and I and I often get that, but I said to him, "So, oh, okay." Um, did you enjoy it? He said, I loved it. It was my favourite lesson of the week. And I said, oh, well, that was, that, that's good. Um, he said, I have, a, I have a Bible that we'd given out. At different times, we've given out Bibles to these children. He said, I've got a Bible. So even though I think his mother had stopped him even going to Scripture because he was maybe getting a bit fanatical about it, so, but he said, I still read the Bible every night. I read this Bible, you know. It, it just was a really random encouragement. And he said, and when I'm old enough to make my own choice, so he's sort of respecting his mother's choice here, when I can make my own choice, he said, I'm going to find a church and I'm going to go to a church. So I did say to him, you know, we a lot of the scripture teachers actually go to the church across the road there at um, Yush. So if you get to that one one day, but uh, I don't know how old he'd be now, twenty-year-old boy walks in here, could be him. But that was just encouraging. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I know. Just recently, the teachers, the te because it's been so long. The teachers who are um, uh, coming, the new teachers in the school, are coming up to us after lessons and saying, you used to teach me scripture. So even the teachers can remember it and they seem very positive about it. So that's encouraging, yeah. yeah. Um, and the last question for you is, 
why do you keep going back year after year? What motivates you to do it? And I suppose that's a representative of, of your broader team as well. It's hard. It's hard sometimes. Um, but if we didn't, if we, they, look at all those, those children, there must be hundreds of them have gone through in that time. Well, I don't know maths very well, but 26 years of, you know, how many children must have been um, given that opportunity just to hear about God who maybe wouldn't. It's just, you know, it's just an opportunity to be in there, in the school. The school is just wonderful. We've got Jess in there as well, and we, um, the principal of the school is very, very positive towards um, us and encouraging. And if we didn't go, then, I don't know, maybe there's just a lot of children who wouldn't hear. That's great. Thanks, Ma. Thanks for sharing. Um, I think that's just, uh, at least for me personally, a real challenge to see um, this group of women who have been so faithful in this ministry for so long. I think that's a real um, danger, a danger area for our generation is that we do seem to jump from thing to thing quite quickly. And there's something really powerful about, about that picture of doing something so faithfully that, that that question of why do you keep going can even be a hard question to answer because you've just been committed to something for so long that it's become ingrained in you um, why you do it. I think that's something that there is a lot of, again, a lot for us to learn from and a very powerful picture of what this church has been and something that, uh, that just stuck out to me when you were talking about the Bibles is that that's actually been a really great way that the scripture teachers have allowed our broader community to participate in that, um, is that we as a church have funded hundreds and probably thousands now, thousands of Bibles into the homes in St. Clair, into these homes, um, which is just a really cool opportunity that we've had. All right, so thank you, Laura. You've been very patient in the sun. Um, I've just brought Laura up here. Laura and Gareth I live in St. Clair and have been here for, how many years have you been living here? Six years. Yeah. Six years. Um, so I just wanted to um, have Laura just share a little bit about the first question that we wanted to ask you is why Why did you choose to live in St. Clair originally? Um, so initially our first um, move into St. Clair after we got married was actually just convenience um, and we found ourselves living in the house just over there behind um, Harold Wayne Preschool, where Bethany is now. Um, we got married and it was just conveniently a house that we could move into straight after being married and it was nice and it was comfortable and it was convenient, so that's where we moved. Um, but a couple of years later, when we're actually looking to buy our own house, it was um, an intentional decision to be um, to make the, the final purchase in Sinclair and we spent time looking in a lot of different suburbs but um, we ended up in Sinclair and um, at least on my part um, that was really intentional because of our connection to the church and, um, and also the fact that uh, prior to purchasing, that's when um, the whole chaplaincy thing came about and um, being a chaplain in banks, so it was, yeah, based on that. Um, so just to give a bit of context to Laura's story, if anyone doesn't know, Laura is a teacher um, who chose 
to give up a couple of days teaching to be a chaplain in the local schools. So Laura was our pioneering chaplain in the schools. Um, and so that's a really cool connection of wanting to bring those two things together, your work and your professional life. Um, and so the final question for you, Laura, is what is your heart for the area now? Um, and how has is, how is that grown or manifested in your life? Um, I was thinking about it on the way to um, church this morning, just walking through St. Clair conveniently. Um, and I think it's a bit of a a bit of a, a relationship between the heart that God gives you and where you find yourself and they kind of feed into one another. And so um, my heart for, for children and for families um, as part of my teaching um, and then finding myself in St. Clair and seeing through chaplaincy and through teaching um, the struggles that families are having, um, they, they sort of feed into one another, I think. Um, um, yeah, so I remember someone saying to me that, um, so I, I grew up in Mount Druitt the majority of my life, um, 2770 Richard, uh, <laughs> um, and so uh, a few people said when I moved to St. Clair that um, you'll see that St. Clair isn't all that different to Mount Druitt in a lot of ways, um, and if you spend enough time here you realise that uh, it really once you scratch back the veneer um, of a little bit more money and a, a little slightly nicer houses and um, that kind of thing, you see that there's a lot of the same things that plague families in Mount Druitt um, plague families in St. Clair as well. It just um, there's just yeah a slightly thicker veneer. Um, and so realizing through chaplaincy how many children actually come to school and rely on the breakfast club to eat. Um, how many families have benefited from us as a church putting together hampers for Easter or for Christmas? Um, how many children struggle with the fact that their homes are full of conflict or that their parents are separated? Um, how many parents uh, are struggling to, to put food on the table and they're working really hard but they can't seem to make ends meet? Um, so, yeah, I think doing the chaplaincy um, has given me a different perspective than I even got from teaching. Um, and so I think that's that's where I think at least my mind is going, the fact that there are so many families um, in St. Clair that desperately need uh, Jesus in their lives. They desperately need to know that uh, there's there's a hope beyond the, the struggles that they have now. Um, and I don't know uh, how that looks for us as a church and whether we feel like that's um, an important area to speak into as well. I don't know if it's a, if it's a play group or if it's um, a food pantry or if it's something like that. I'm, I'm not sure um, yet, but I think that's where my heart goes to, to families, yeah. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for sharing. It's um, really beautiful. It's just to give you a bit of a glimpse into some of the hearts of people in our community. There's so many more stories that we could have highlighted this morning, um, but I think it's just important for us to remember the ways that God is working and the ways that he is present in this community. So with that being said, we're going to uh, move on to our sermon slot now. So I'm going to invite Dad up and we're going to be looking 
today at the, the future church. So what the church could be is the area we're going to be focusing on. I might just pray for you, Dad, before you start. Lord, we just pray that you would uh, that your spirit would be upon Dad this morning. Pray that you would just grant him clarity of mind and that you would be your spirit would be in each one of us as we listen and wrestle with the things that are brought before us today. Amen. Uh, just before I start, I'm conscious that you've all been sitting in a long time. Just want to stand up for a few seconds. If you'd like to. Yes, do 20 push-ups like a training. You can sit down again now. <laughs> I'm glad Hannah's clarified what I'm speaking on this morning. <laughs> and I will be looking at our, our future church. To start off, I just want to... Um, I just want to quote a verse out of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 20. And it's, um, it fits very well into our, what I believe is our context at the moment. Hope you can all hear me all right. Um, Ephesians was a church that was struggling. It was struggling in a, in a context where... There was all sorts of different uh, religions, different gods, different um, situations, and they were struggling just to just to show how Jesus actually fitted into their into their context. And um, Paul says this at the end of chapter three. And I just want to read this verse out. Now unto him, he's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask for or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. In him be, the glo be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's, it's a verse also that I that we've based our church on really right from, from the beginning. And I like to think about how much I can ask for and how much we can actually imagine, because can, I can imagine quite a bit. But our God is able to do immeasurably more than that. I don't want to disappoint you because I've got three points to bring out again this morning. The, the first one is the purpose of the church. The second one is who we're trying to reach. And then the third point is lessons from the past. So the purpose of the church. I like to put things in very simple terms, mainly because I can't really think outside simple terms. But I'd like to put the purpose of the church into, I bring it down to maintenance and, and, and revelation. Maintenance, in that the church is here to build his people up and to encourage each other in our walk and, and, and in our faith. And we do that in several ways. We do that through our corporate meeting together. We do that through Bible study groups. We do that through getting alongside of each other and um, 
and oh, I can't even think of the word. It was there. It doesn't matter. Just getting alongside and talking and encouraging each other through their faith and through our personal walk, uh, daily, day, day, daily readings. And then we have revelation, bringing Jesus out into a world which does not know him. And we do that in several ways as well. We do that corporately through what we've seen just in the, in the scripture teaching in the local high schools. We've done that in the past as a church through, through um, Carol's Way by Candlelight. We do that as individuals in our homes by inviting strangers in. We, um, we take opportunities just to get alongside of people and to help them as they, as they present themselves. Now, who are we as Aussies? What do we actually, what do we actually respect? What do we actually like? I was thinking this through a, a little bit during the week, and I was um, thinking about who are the heroes in my mindset. And I was thinking about one of the early people that are that were in my that are in my sort of mindset as being someone who was I hold up a little bit was Ned Kelly. I think that is so strange. He's a murderer. He stood up and Ned Kelly's last stand when he put his body armour on and he stood up against the authorities of the day and he got his weapons out and he and he shot, you know, and then he gets gets killed and he's held up as as a as a hero, even though he, he was a murderer. Our national anthem, how good is our national anthem? What is our national anthem? Advance Australia Fair. I mean, I've, what should be our national anthem be? I don't think anyone would mind it being Walsing Matilda, would they? Walsing Matilda, Walsing Matilda. Take, you can, we can sing that with passion. About a guy who stole a sheep and put it in his, his tucker bag. We're a sad lot, aren't we? We, we hold up all these people who stand up against authority and call it out. What else do we hold up? We, the whole idea of mateship, of helping somebody when they're down, a mate. You know, one of the ones that, that comes to my mind is, um, is, is Simpson and his, and his donkey, Duffy. A guy who went out in the midst of battle and brought his mates in. Looked after his mates. I can see that Jesus and what he stood for fits so well into our character. You know, what we have as way of church, have we, do we really have a church which represents us or is it something that we've imported from other other places, other cultures, other situations. Does it really fit with us? He was Jesus. Jesus was someone who called out authority. He didn't like his hypocrisy at all. He seemed to be skeptical of it. Does that sort of fit? Could we sell that to Aussies? Someone who looked beyond you know, the title when you looked at his disciples, he didn't have, he didn't have the scholars, he didn't have the politicians, he didn't have the religious leaders as his disciples. Who did he have? He had rejected fishermen, 
people who dealt with smelly fish and death all the time. They were ritually unclean all the time. He had taxmen, people who were rejected. Jesus could see the little people in our society, not the big people. He could see the little people and he got alongside of those. Could we sell Jesus here? I think we could. When I was at, um, at Bible College, there was one course that, or there's lots of courses, but there was one course that I really clicked into. And it was um, a, a course where I had to read this book. You see that book there? You know what I'm like as a reader? I don't even read comics. <laughs> and I can remember, it's a, it's a book which is made up of a whole lot of small essays. So the, the, it's good, it's not really as big as what it looks. It's just, you take it in tiny chunks. But I remember at two and three o'clock in the morning going through that book of perspectives and getting excited about the ideas. It's, it's stories about missionaries on the field and what worked and what didn't work and the different approaches which they, which they took. And I can remember sitting there getting excited and feeling like, you know, this is stuff that we can use here and now. As I, as I finished that course, I had to do an assignment for an for a, for a, a, um, assessment. And I had to do one on contextualisation. I had to look at the strengths and weaknesses of um, con contextualisation. Now, that's a big word for me. And it basically means taking the gospel and putting it in culturally relevant terms. So it actually means something to the people that, that you are talking to. And then I'm thinking, when I was at Bible college, I was thinking, we haven't done that. We haven't done that here. We haven't taken the gospel, understood it in its purest form, where it sat in the original culture, and then translated that to where we are here and now. What are the important things? What, are the, what is the purity? What are the things that we can play with and what are the things that we can't play with? Our church, looking back in the history of our church, we've had a, in our outreach, it's always been a mixture of what is needed in the community versus what we think the community out there wants. You know, one of the things that we first did was run a carols by candlelight. And I remember the first one that we did at West Sinclair. It was run by about, it was probably about eight to ten people there of us. And we wanted to do something for, for Christmas. So we went out and we door knocked around the church. And each of us had a different job. I did a little talk. Um, John and Anne ran some puppets. Others did a bit, a few carols. I think John Mullen played the trumpet and did a few carols. And we got one family to come. I can still remember their names 30 years later. Isn't that crazy? And I went and visited them a few times after that carols, but they didn't end up coming to church. Alan and Nettie, I nearly forgot it. After I said I remembered it, I nearly forgot it. 
But it was it was such an encouragement, and then the carols from there just grew. The wider church got hold of it, and then it became something that was logistically so hard to manage. We didn't really get a transfer from the carols to people coming along to our church. Another things that we've done in, in our history is Sunday school. I don't know what it is. We had the same problem quite a few years ago. We had lots of lots of children, lots and lots of children, a lot more children than adults. And we ran Sunday schools, and we ran Sunday school anniversaries, and we ran Sunday school picnics. And then as the kids grew up, we ran beach care, we ran youth group things. Well, and Dave and Sandy got on board. You know, they were already running the, the Mount Victoria thing. It's great ways of, of including our kids and um, and discipling them. And ha having them get along kids who didn't know Jesus and, you know, and, and communicate that to them. A real mixture of what was needed in the community versus what we can use for outreach. Some of our Youth group camps, our beach camps were huge. Our snow trips. Just amazing. We've reached a point as a church where we can stop. You ever get a, you know when your computer's all stuffing up and all your phone's all stuffing up and you just don't know what to do with it? And the way to fix it is what? Turn it off and turn it on again. It resets it. It clears its head. I don't know how it works technology. I don't trust it. But if we have a point, we have a chance here to stop and to clear our head and to rethink. What works here? We know that the big events around the Christian calendar work. Easter and Christmas. Maybe we need to rethink how we do that. I always think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a church that was open seven days a week? The elders of the church probably shake their heads and quiver in their, <laughs> quiver in their beds at that thought, but seven days a week. Yeah, well, but a place where say on a Friday night if you wanted to do something and invite somebody along you could go to where you might be able to have a meal where there might be a coffee shop where there might be some other things to do like play a bit of pool or some something which is more along the lines of what you know what's huge in Australian culture sport I mean, Melbourne had a public holiday because it was the day before the grand final. How great is that? <laughs> I'm moving to Victoria. How good is that? I mean, sport is huge. Not necessarily in my family. Couldn't even watch it on Friday night, but it is huge. And we can do more around those sorts of things. Drinking. Somebody said drinking was, was big. Yeah, it is big. It's, it's huge. But maybe we can show how that can be done in a more responsible way. I don't know. Family is also big. Personal space is also big.
I don't know what the answer is. I have no answers. I just know that our God has given us a mind. And he's given us promises in Scripture. What is the promise of Ephesians 3 verse 20? Now unto him who is able to give up to do immeasurably more than we can ask for or even imagine in his power. And I just want to encourage all of us to take this opportunity. Everything is in play. Everything is in play. And just explore it. As we've been doing as a smaller group. And it has been, it has been very encouraging. Are we going to? No? What is the future? Is it this big building? Is it something smaller? Is it area congregations? Is it something completely different? Everything is in play. I'll just finish off in a word of prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for, for just who you are. For the fact that you can work in any culture, in any context. As long as we understand what the, the pure substance of the gospel is and that we do not change it or pollute it at all. And I just pray that you take us, Lord, as a church here and now and that you help us. You give us the courage to walk. You show us the, the direction to go and to how to proceed. We want to walk in step with you. We want to do something which is of you here and now in Sinclair, where we can maintain your people, Lord, build up your people, Lord, and that we can reach out, use it as a base to reach out into this, into this suburb, into this country, Lord. Pray that, I pray that your spirit will come alongside of us and just empower us and help us and give us courage and strength and energy. I pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen.